your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. If you want to shoot me a text, uh, Assembly Rep Steve Doyle representing the 94th District. I wrote it down, Steve, so I wouldn't forget. Uh, Greater the cross area. And uh, he's also on the county board, so I might even ask you some county board questions, but he's going to hang out this hour, so if you have questions for uh, Doyle, you know, representing the 94th and and working in Madison, although you guys aren't working right now, when do you come back to work, so to speak? (laughs) Uh, We're back in session mid-September, although uh, over the summer there's a lot of times uh, like study committees and so forth. Yeah. We also have constituent stuff. I mean, I I, uh, did a tour of ORC today. Um, You know, they invited me in my capacity as state representative. Um, You know, I spent some time out at the fair. So it's not like we're not doing anything, but we're just not in session causing trouble. Yeah, there's a there's a there's like double talk there when we say you're not in session. Therefore, you're not working. I mean, it is funny. You're not in session from uh, January, February, March. So from like May till to through December, right next year. Oh, worse than that. I think last time we went, uh, we adjourned for the year in like March or yeah, something. Yeah, mid March. I mean, yep. The U.S. Congress goes past Labor Day. I just think it is scandalous that we quit in the spring and we're done for the year. Would you Would you say that too? Are you because I get your campaigning if you're re- if you're running for reelection. Uh, some people yeah, but don't. That's for ha- you personally, that's not for the good of the citizenry. Right, exactly. That I don't. I never understand why you're out of session for. And Jill Billings has kind of the opposite. She says we shouldn't be campaigning to try to get reelected by passing legislation. That and I was like, that's the whole point. You would pass legislation that would help you get reelected. That's why you're representing these people. Um, but the state is gerrymandered, so some people don't even have to campaign. You probably have to campaign harder than anyone in the state. I do. As I always tell people, I'm the only Democrat and Republican-leaning district in the state. But, I mean, hopefully we are campaigning for our entire term. I mean, everything I do should be for the good of the people of my district. And right. so the people should say, yeah, you know, I think you're doing a good job. And if I start voting against their interest, whether it's the beginning of a session or the end, then I should get retired. Yeah, the idea that you don't have to uh, meet in session and and Governor Evers had 11 special sessions that Republicans gaveled in and out of in 30 seconds or less uh, last last term. So we'll see if, if that happens again. We'll get into some of that. Um, but, yeah, the, the yeah, last I mean, seven I months. Mean, you know, dang it, we get paid for, you know, till the end of the year. But we, you know, we're out of session in March or April. That just, to me, I, I can't believe that the that is not more of a public interest issue where people are just up in arms that, that the assembly quits. Well, and the Senate is worse. They, they quit even earlier. And I get right now you're off and you say you're doing stuff, you know, you could have town halls, town halls, I think would be interesting right now to have to get people's opinions on some stuff. Um, but there, but if you do this at the end of next year, when your term is up and you're running for reelection, there's a chance that all the stuff that you do, through that time, if you're talking to constituents, getting your opinion, getting their opinions, here's what they like. This is, you know, this is how I think. And then you don't get reelected. Well, then all that for was for not. You should be doing that stuff before your, you know, before your election is up, or before your your term is up. 
<laughs> you know, and I, I sometimes complain about the fact that, you know, my wife is a judge and she has a six-year term, uh, which I'm jealous of, and we in the assembly only have two-year terms. But there's a reason for that. It keeps our nose to the grindstone. It, it keeps us honest that we're always looking at the next election. And so we dang well better be doing what the people of our district want us to do. So I'm uh, I'm fine with that. I just wish we would be there more often because we're getting paid to be there and we're not there. That's Steve Doyle. He represents the 94th Assembly District here on, on Alaska and, and the greater uh, the greater lacrosse area is what I like to call it. Um, okay, before before we go to break, you have five-week-old Golden Retrievers. Are they all spoken for? <laughs> uh, all but one. We have one male still available. There is nothing cuter than a golden retriever puppy i gotta tell you that and uh ours are they're at that fun age um so as soon as i'm done with you i'm gonna i'm actually at the the law office right now but i'm gonna run home and play with my puppies all night right and and when do you give them up seven weeks or do you wait till like eight or nine weeks eight well they'll be going on the uh actually their eighth week birthday okay um, and then also there's a story out today. I, I sent you the link, but Derek Van Orden kind of cussed out some kids for not even kids. I, I, they were, they were, they were Senate pages. So they're like high school aged kids or maybe they're 18 high school aged teenagers. How about that? And they were laying on the U S Capitol rotunda, taking pictures of the ceiling at like one in the morning. So nobody's even in there. And I guess he like cursed them out with you know, language that wouldn't be, you know, you probably wouldn't want to say to a bunch of teenagers. Not that they've never heard that before, but um, I feel like I've seen pictures on your social media of kids during the day, like little kids now laying on the Capitol in Madison and taking pictures of the ceiling, right? This is, and I'm this is an odd. I'm with them right there. I, in fact, I'm the one who tells them the best way to look at the mural in the rotunda of the state Capitol is not to just stand there and look up and wrench your neck it's to lay on the floor and so i lay down with them and it's great we make the parents do that and the teachers do that too it's it's a lot of fun um i I have very strong opinions about the capital page program because my daughter my oldest daughter caitlin was a capital page when she was in high school and that was a great experience and i cannot believe that he would cuss out some high school kids because i think you do it like between your sophomore and junior year if i remember correctly it's a great learning experience, and, I mean, these are kids just trying to have fun. It's not like they're having a beer party in the Capitol. They're laying on the floor taking pictures. I mean, good grief. Yeah, and he want, and he doubled down. He said, if I get bad press for this, fine, but you shouldn't uh, desecrate the, the, the Capitol Rotunda because it used to be a field hospital during the Civil War, and people died there. So uh, it's just it brings me to too many things because, A, you were on the Capitol – grounds when they the during the insurrection and you didn't go and yell at those people for desecrating the capitol grounds and be like isn't you swearing at kids uh, under the rotunda kind of desecrating the capitol and you brought up drinking um there's a picture that he doubled down on this too that he you know there was a bunch of booze and beer in his office right before this apparently happened and he kind of just said, you know, I guess you're not from Wisconsin. I don't even understand what his tweet was when he retweeted that photo. But uh, I and I don't care if you're drinking in your office. I, I mean, do you guys drink in the office? That's not that abnormal. So I don't even care about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I suspect that in the Capitol, both in Madison and in Washington, you know, people have a 
drink after work, not every night, hopefully not every night, but every once in a while you'll do that. I mean, who cares? As long as you're doing your work during the day, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I just don't like the double standard of some kids having some honest fun taking pictures in the Capitol um, and, and laying on the floor. I, I just don't understand why that's a problem. I don't see that as desecrating the Capitol at all. Yeah, I think said- that's actually pretty neat that they think it's that cool that that's what they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like uh, Derek Van Orden could probably take a lesson from you and lay down on the Capitol floor with the kids, taking pictures with them. And also, if he wants to give them a history lesson, he's a former Navy SEAL. Did he Did he not feel like giving them a history lesson about And maybe he did, but uh, it sounds like he just swore at him a bunch of times. So I don't know. It just... It, it doesn't sit right with me in any regard. And then he doubled down on it on, on it with a, a statement to the media and then uh, with another tweet. So um, anyway, we're going to move on with Steve Doyle. We're going to talk about some stuff coming out of Madison and some stuff with the county board. But we got to take a break. We'll be back after this. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I think, Steve, my red light. Uh, OK, the red light is over. I think there was like a storm warning going off uh it doesn't inform me except a, a random red light that i don't look at in the studio that i'm not um all right 608 785 tornado's about to hit the wisdom studio is yeah, that what something. that means you know what it's probably just like some kind of heat it's gonna melt everything i don't know um oh, that's okay. 608-785-7914 is the text line steve doyle's hanging out with us this hour uh we just got done ranting about uh well ranting about yelling at kids at the Capitol Rotunda. It would be interesting if Steve Doyle got caught on camera yelling at kids uh, when you do the little tours through uh, the Capitol. I've, my friend Ben has a picture of him, you, and his kid, like, laying on the on the grounds there. Uh, I think having... We want to encourage kids to think that government and politics and legislating is cool. You know, and so I love it. That's my, my favorite thing in, in terms of being a state legislator is two things, both related. One is I love it when the fourth graders come to the Capitol and I get to talk to them. We'll sometimes lay on the floor and look up at the mural. And secondly, when I go back to their school, usually about two weeks later, and I ask them questions about all the stuff that they learned and that they remember. And and by the way, Rick, this is the the thing that I always ask the students because I tell them when they're in Madison that I'm going to ask them this question when I come back to their classroom. Mm -hmm. Do you know, Rick, how many light bulbs there are in the Capitol? I do you want me to guess? I have no idea. Sure. There's 40,000 light bulbs. Okay. That's my favorite fun fact about the Capitol. And I will ask you, I'll come back to the classroom a couple of weeks after they've been in the Capitol, and yep. I say, you know, do you remember I said I was going to ask you a question, and the kids start yelling, 40,000 light bulbs, 40,000 <laughs> light bulbs. It's just so cool. Fourth graders are, like, the most wonderful thing ever. <laughs> Fourth graders and then uh, five, five-week-old golden retriever puppies. <laughs> Well, that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell the fourth graders. Um, all right. So I, I want to call, ask you a couple of just general, very broad. You just give me your opinion questions on, on some of this stuff. Um, hey, are you running for reelection? <laughs> I'm always running for reelection. OK. okay. Um, do you feel a lot of pressure there? Because because of, you said earlier, you're, you're the only Democrat in a Republican leaning district that, that wins reelection. And um, that's a lot of pressure because of how close the assembly is to, you know, becoming that supermajority where we don't even need a governor anymore. I got elected in 2011, and I have been under pressure ever since then. Before I got elected, I had more hair, and it was brown. Now I have less hair, and it's gray. Um, but uh, if I ever stop feeling that pressure and stop feeling like I'm 
doing what I'm supposed to be doing, then I deserve to get either defeated or retire. All right. Fair enough. Um, biggest success the over, you know, what you want to say over the last what four and plus years with the Governor Evers administration so far? What do you think? I give the governor's uh, uh, people and the governor himself credit for being what I'll call the adult in the room. And I, and I include both parties in that. Um, there is a lot of pettiness and childishness um, in Madison, um, not anywhere near as bad as in Washington. But I think that especially um, in the first two years, the governor was kind of feeling his way in the dark. But after that, I think that um, they really kind of hit their stride. And so I've seen the governor's people trying to work with the legislature, both the Democrats and Republicans, um, to do good public policy. And Sometimes you have to be tough and say, I- I'm going to veto this if, I, you know, if-, if I'm not satisfied that it's good for the people. Um, and, you know, what I see is, you know, in particular, Robin Boss, the leader of my house in the legislature, kind of saying, well, I'm going to take my ball and go home. And, and I just don't think that that is how you do it. You just, you suck it up, you, you go back to the table and you, you keep talking. Um, and, and so I give the governor credit for sticking to his, you know, his position on stuff. I don't always agree with the governor. Sometimes I agree with the Republicans on some of the stuff. But I just, I, I, I do, I, I tell people, you know, Tony Evers is kind of like your favorite uncle. I mean, he's just a nice guy. And, you know, when he says darn or, you know, fix the damn roads, people are like, oh, he said damn. You know, I mean, he's the kind of guy that brings calm to the situation. And I think if there's anything that I think he should be remembered for is that he is the calm adult in the room. It is. He's, he's kind of good at the, the sneaky, uh, you know, he doesn't have a lot of power, uh, obviously before he took office and during governor Scott Walker's lame duck period, they, they took a lot of power from him. So, I mean, we just saw that this week, right. With the build a wall, we were taking military funding from, <laughs> from, from like 6 billion in military funding away to build a wall. Wisconsin was the last state to do this. And we had to get permit Evers and the attorney general had to get permission to, to get out of this lawsuit or whatever. Yeah. I mean, those are the kind of things that just drive me crazy it, it, that people ask me, why are you still on the County board when you're in the state legislature? And I say, well, the County board, you actually feel like you're doing something. You actually feel like you're, doing the people's work, whereas in Madison, you just feel like you're fighting all the time. You know, it, so in Lacrosse County, we would get everybody together and we'd yell at each other for a while and then we'd fix it and solve the problem. In Madison, you yell at each other for a while and then somebody like the governor or whoever has to step in and say, okay, well, we're just going to do this anyway. Um, that's not how the process should work. People should be looking at common goals rather than can the Democrats win or can the Republicans win? That, that's what gets old for me in the legislature. And, and, you know, maybe I'm just old school. And, and I think back to when I worked in the legislature in the 1980s, you know, and I said this before, my, my boss was Joe Andrea from Kenosha, a, a union labor Democrat from Kenosha. His best friend in state government was Tommy Thompson, the Republican governor. He was in Tommy's office all the time, or Tommy was down in our office working out stuff. That Those days, unfortunately, aren't here right now. I hope we can get back to them. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I feel like the governor does some of these things that seem like he's jumping the gun, or, or maybe it's even like, oh, he came up with this idea, and, and then Republicans are mad, like, dang it, we wanted to think of that idea. The, the couple that come to mind are 
he he brought up Brewers funding. He was going to give the Brewers uh, 300-ish million dollars to fund the stadium. And then Republicans were like, dang it, we should have thought of that. We don't want to do that. We want to do our own plan. He was going to extend the bar time during, what, the Republican Party convention in Milwaukee. Um, And I think the Republicans were like, dang it, we wanted to take responsibility for that while we have a party in Milwaukee. And and just so he's he's and then and then he takes power. uh, uh, he, He takes some of the power that he doesn't usually have with signing the state budget and using his veto pen to extend uh, school funding per pupil education funding for the next 400 years. And now that becomes a bargaining chip in his corner, but it is still just like one of these, like now I have the power versus you have the power. And it's just this ongoing struggle where you can't kind of, but, but that power isn't distributed very well here. I don't think. But if that's what gets people back to the table, I mean, if there's anything I'm disappointed about in this last budget is that, you know, we didn't give middle-class tax relief. You know, the the Democrats had their version, Democrats and the governor and Republicans had their version. And so we ended up with way less in terms of, of tax relief than, than either side had wanted. Um, and I've heard some talk that, you know, Republicans may just push this off till after the 2024 election. I, I think that would be unfortunate. I think people are looking for it to happen sooner rather than later. And, you know, if if they're mad at the governor, fine. The best way to get your revenge is to come back and come up with something that, uh, you know, you force them to sign. You know, and the the Republicans could say, yep, we called us in the special session. We passed a bill and we sent it to the governor and he signed it. Give us credit. And my response on that would be good for you. You get credit. Where do you where do you want to see tax cuts? Because the the Republican plan was to make it closer to a flat tax, which I don't agree with at all. I don't understand why that would even be a talking point. And and the governor's plan, I you know, like well, I guess I don't know exactly what the governor's plan per se was, but unless you know people making fifty seventy five thousand dollars a year see a pretty significant cut in their taxes, where it's like maybe a maybe two grand a year. That's that's like low for me. Um, it's not really going to make an impact on their lives unless it's, you know, it's up there and, and maybe a thousand, two thousand or more dollars. I don't even know if some people get taxed that much, uh, but but a tax cut that that doesn't make an impact like, whoa, you know what? I actually I always say this. I actually could probably redo my deck if I got that tax cut and I know it's coming. Well, absolutely. And I was a little surprised that he I mean, we all expected he would veto the top tax bracket um, tax cut. I was a little surprised that he vetoed the second highest one because that's a big group of people. That that includes the Steve Doyles and Rick Solums of the world. Um, you know, in that group, that's a that's a large part of our our taxpaying population. But I think that he did that to force people back to the table. Like we want to give that group of people a benefit. He figured that if he just you know, vetoed the top tax bracket, you know, especially those 11 people that get most of the tax relief in, in, under the Republican version or under the budget as it was passed. Um, you know, that's not going to cause rioting in the street. Uh, on the other hand, that group of people that, is, that constitutes most of us, um, that's a big deal. And if that brings people back to the table to figure out something that we can do, then it was worth it. I understand what he was doing there because we've we cut the number of brackets and that bracket that you're talking about is between people that make 13 grand and 304 grand a year. Those people are not the same people, Steve. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and so I mean we have to talk about 
not just a flat, okay, everybody in that group gets a certain percentage because, yeah, the 13,000 people and the 300,000 people are not living next door to each other. Yeah. I, why Instead of cutting brackets, why don't we just add 50 brackets? Every every $1,000 is another tax bracket. You would be an accountant's either dream or nightmare. They would make <laughs> a lot more money, but they'd have a lot more headaches. Yeah, well, I mean, we were, I already had to pay him like $300 to do my taxes, so <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> is it going to be more than that? I doubt it. So uh, 608-785-7914 is the text line. If you want to get if you got a question for Steve Doyle, we got to take another break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. Steve Doyle's hanging out this hour uh, talking about... Stuff happening in Madison, stuff happening at the Capitol, swearing at children for taking pictures. Um, okay, so you you brought this up while we were waiting here to, to come back from break, and it, it is pretty important. I was going to try to talk to Jay Heck with Wisconsin Common Cause about gerrymandering, but the 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 U, Wisconsin Supreme Court's going to flip to progressive leaning here in a couple of days, and a lawsuit's going to f- get filed, and your district, you might be able to just – uh, things might get easier for re-election for you, Steve, if your district changes. I don't, do you foresee any of these things happening before 2024's election? So uh, uh, the new uh, newly elected justice, um, Janet Protosiewicz, is um, going to be sworn in. I think it's August 1st, and my understanding is that on August 2nd, uh, the group called Law Forward will be filing a lawsuit uh, challenging the gerrymandering. And they're going to be doing it under Wisconsin law, meaning that the presumably the Wisconsin Supreme Court would have the final say. Issues that relate to federal law or the U.S. Constitution can get appealed beyond the state Supreme Court up to the U.S. Supreme Court. But things that are decided purely on state law or state constitution the Wisconsin Supreme Court would be the final say on that. So um, the expectation, and, and this is no secret, everybody is you know, expecting that as soon as she's sworn in that um, a redistricting lawsuit will get filed. My understanding is that um, you know, that would go through the process, and hopefully by the end of the year some decision from the the state Supreme Court in terms of are the maps in Wisconsin illegally gerrymandered or not. Uh, and, and then from there, we'll find out, you know, is there a remedy? What is the remedy? Um, so, you know, the, the short answer to your question is, could it affect me? Yeah. Um, I don't today know that my district will be identical to what it looks like right now. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of a big deal. And obviously, do you does this have to go through the regular process where it goes up to through the tiers of the court system, or does the Wisconsin Supreme Court just grab it right away? I would expect that it will uh, be heard at the circuit court level initially, the what we call the trial court. Uh, so you know wherever it gets filed, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's filed in Dane County because that is the seat of the government. So that's normally where those kind of cases get filed. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Court of Appeals um, pass on it and say this is um, such an important statewide issue that we're just going to bump it straight up to the state Supreme Court. That, that'd be kind of what I would expect at this point. Very professional question here, though. But like, how stupid is the system that we have here where one particular group wins an election in one particular year once a decade and they get to draw the lines without the other group even having a say in the matter? And 
those lines stand for a decade. And those lines, unless you have, you know, unless you have complete control of the government, like it did one time and they get to sign it without any pushback, but, but those lines never get you, that map never gets used. It always has to go to a court system to have the maps redrawn. The system never actually pans through because they always have to have some kind of court somewhere to redraw the lines anyway. So it doesn't even work. Well, you know, as a person on the short end of that stick, um, obviously I think that that's not good. But what I would say is that proves that argument that elections have consequences. You know, for people who think, well, you know, I don't really care. I don't like these candidates or, you know, I don't care who wins. You know, both sides suck or both sides are equally okay or whatever the case may be. I mean, this really is a, a perfect example of, you know, one person uh, in one body, that is the, you know, the, the switch in the state Supreme Court from conservative-leaning to to liberal-leaning could determine <clears throat> the makeup of the state legislature in the next election. Uh, that's a pretty big deal because that would change everything. Um, you know, so whether you're a Democrat or Republican, independent, or you hate both or you love both, um, it, the message there is you got to show up at the polls. Yeah, and the, the maps the maps would change, I guess, in, to a degree, but they're they'll still be right leaning because of just the way the state is made up too. So um, it wouldn't be like a gigantic change, but your district might might settle down a little bit in terms of uh, it might make things a little bit easier for you, uh, whether you like that or not. But the whole the whole challenge here is to give to put everyone in a district sort of like yours, where they have to I uh, got to kind of walk down the middle here and appease uh, most people to get the most votes. You know, it used to be that, you know, compromise was what politics was all about. Now compromise is a dirty word, and I think we are really disserved by that. Um, when you have, you know, extremes um, jockeying for who gets the most, you know, news coverage and so forth, that that's not good for democracy. Uh, you know, it, it should be like the good old days where, yeah, you campaign and you make all your arguments and you say the other side is horrible, but then after the election, you know, you sit down with them and say, okay, well, let's cut a deal here. Let's make this work so that both sides get a little something. Um, and we're operating not in our individual partisan best interest, but in the best interest of the state or the country or, or whatever. I don't think we're at that time in history right now. Um, and I think we need to get back to that. Well, what do you think of the outrage over Governor Evers using his veto pen on the budget and then the outrage, you know, if you go to school funding, right, like extending per pupil school funding for 400 years, it's just kind of a gimmick. But like you you guys can change that next time you write a budget two years from now or you could meet in session and, and try to negotiate right now if you wanted. But but that's the that's kind of the way we have to negotiate now is you have to trick the other side. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. And, and it used to be that. um the legislature would put together a budget and they wouldn't give a whole lot of thought to vetoes. They would just put in what they thought was the appropriate thing. And the governor would cast a few vetoes here and a few vetoes there and whatever. Um, but in recent years, the legislature, um, and, you know, at, at this point controlled by the Republicans, first does their budget um, and they figure out well, how they want to spend the money and, and so forth. But then they actually put, hit the pause button and say, okay, now we're going to go word by word, line by line, to make sure that we can prevent vetoes. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is a very aggressive approach to stop the governor from being able to use his 
what in some states is called the line item veto, but in Wisconsin is called the partial veto, which is even more expansive than the line item veto. Um, and now they're all ticked off because they missed that one. Um, so, you know, I, I, as a Democrat, I kind of chuckle about it. You know, it's kind of funny that the governor did that. You know, good for him. Um, if it was a Republican that had done it, I'd probably be annoyed. Um, but, you know, that's politics. Yeah, and it's a lot to do about nothing, right? Because you guys will come back to the table at some point, whether, whether you, like I said, you can meet in set, a special session or you the next budget, you'll just like you negotiate it. Just it kind of, that's where I, I come back to. Governor Evers just has a little bit more power here. Hey, w- now I have some of the power to get public education better funded, or we're just going to leave this pu- per pupil deal. I think it's like three hundred twenty nine dollars per pupil. We're going to let that you know add up every year. Well, and it. it, it supposed to be under the state constitution that the executive branch and the legislative branch are equal in terms of power. And what we've seen is a power grab on the part of the legislature over the last decade, um, and in particular since Evers got elected, um, to take away the power from the executive. But, I mean, the system works best when it's a balance, and neither side always gets their way. 608-785-7914 608-785-7914 is the text line. I guess the the update I got earlier, somebody told text me because I couldn't hear it. It was a child abduction warning, so I I I didn't hear it at all because um, the the way the board is set up, so it wasn't a weather thing. So um, for for those of you that heard that or not, uh, Steve Doyle's hanging out with us this hour. We're talking about uh, well a little bit of everything in in terms of what's going on in Madison and the U.S. Capitol a little bit. Um, I asked Governor Evers this. This is just kind of wacky, Steve, but um, I asked Governor Evers this. This is a fight we're having on Twitter. What is up north? Can you define what up north is? <laughs> um, so somebody told me that up north is north of Highway 8. North of Highway. Is that one way up there? Kind of way up? I, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, I think I just, so. I think it's probably like a, probably around like the, the Hayward area or something. Okay, yeah, that um, makes sense. So I guess that would, you know, for me... Holman is up north because I live in Alaska. So, um, but <laughs> that's blas- all perspective. That's blasphemous. Yeah, Governor Evers gave me the the most political answer ever. He said it's a state of mind. He he beat you on Ooh. that one. I think he said it's a state of mind. <laughs> that's good. All right. So I'm looking at a map. Here here's the thing I have a problem with because a lot of people say Highway 29, which is kind of like parallel to Green uh, Green Bay a little bit, and you say right. Highway 8, which is just north of that. So like, um, let me let me look at a Rhinelander. Kind of like just uh, like the tip of that peninsula in Wisconsin. The problem here, though, Steve, is if if it's Highway Eight, Highway Eight is basically parallel to Minneapolis. Would you consider Minneapolis up north? <laughs> well, but that's a foreign country. I'm talking about Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, um, and and I I kind of say there's a Highway Two that goes way up top uh, across the top of Wisconsin, and then you get these towns that have the word iron in them, and that I think is what you should consider up north. There you go. Once you get the word well, iron but, in your name, but I think that there is a geographic um, and a, a, like a, a, a flora and fauna um, distinction. So if you're driving north around the maybe Wausau area, mm-hmm. you go from the the deciduous, you know, the maples and the oaks and that trees to the evergreens, and you can kind of, I mean, it's like a a spot where you can actually see the change. I think that that would be, when you get to that point where it's 
evergreen trees you're up north yeah my grandma used to live she used to live in shano and we would go north of shano to go to what was called shotgun eddies where you would just you would tube down the the rapids they weren't really rapids but they were rapids to me when i was little but when you're driving to that area you you talk about these evergreens and you're driving through these roads in the backcountry of Wisconsin, these evergreens are butted up so close to the road that there's just this eerie feeling of driving down that road. That's when I consider being up north, is when you get that road that's out in the middle of nowhere and those pine trees are right up against the road and it creates this, it's an awesome picture, but it's also a little eerie. It reminds you of, you know, like a Jason movie or something like that. <laughs> so did you see Bigfoot up there? <laughs> right, yeah, you definitely get, you, you, if you saw a bear, you'd be like, yeah, I'm up north now. Um, all right, there we're gonna go. take we're gonna take one more quick break. We'll wrap up with Steve Doyle after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm just gonna wrap up. A couple minutes left here with uh, State Rep Steve Doyle representing the Greater Lacrosse Area District 94. Uh, he's also on the county board representing District 20. I looked that up too, Steve. But doing all my homework um, before oh, before. Before I want to talk about some more negotiating that could happen in Madison, and maybe we get a special session on this because re, uh, Republicans want to cut the taxes for the rich. Um, the Brewers, the Brewers Stadium funding. I don't know how, where we're when we're going to start to talk about that, but the Brewers Stadium cost about two hundred eighty million dollars, and we just finished paying that off. I think Milwaukee County or whatever taxes uh, after like over twenty years, we just start, we just ended paying that off. And then the MLB commissioner, Rob Manfred, kind of said without saying, hey, if you don't give the Brewers 400 and I think it's like $450 million, the Brewers could leave town. And the Brewers owner said, we don't want to leave town. So, you know, but also like give us money to upgrade the stadium. The Brewers don't own the stadium. So some entity that's, you know, kind of like either Milwaukee owned or state owned owns the Brewers stadium. And they lease it out, kind of like Copeland Park here. I think the city of Lacrosse owns Copeland Park, and the loggers lease out the stadium. We don't have this like fight, though. I think the loggers actually um, renovated the stadium. They used their money. Um, but right. what if yeah, we just what if we just gave the Brewers the stadium for a dollar? We do like the Lacrosse. I, th- I feel like the county does this one time, a couple times. The city did this with the senior center. They gave the building to them for a dollar, and then let them do the upkeep. The Brewers here. Take the stadium. It's got a retractable roof. Real nice stadium. Needs some upgrades. But here it is for a dollar. And then, you know, uh, real estate has gone through the roof. So I imagine that we paid $280 million for the stadium. It's got to be worth more than that now. But here's the stadium. Um, I have not heard that the brewers would seriously be interested in that. Um, I, my understanding is that they like lease um, arrangement because then – the owner is responsible for the upkeep and, and so forth. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they've had discussions on, you know, is that an option? Uh, so much of this is kind of behind the scenes. We've got, um, you know, the major players in this, uh, you know, the Republican leadership, the governor's um, uh, people, and the Milwaukee City and County folks um, sitting down with, uh, with the Brewers' um, leadership. And they pretty much played it close to the best at this point. Um, I think that most of us in the legislature anyway are saying, you guys work it out, bring us back something that is non-controversial that we can all vote for. Um, you know, this whole Milwaukee issue as part of the budget got to be pretty contentious, and, you know, we still don't know if the Milwaukee bailout is going to be successful or not. Um, I would hope that the Brewer thing 
we get rid of the politics, you know, did the Republicans save the brewers? Did the Democrats save the brewers? Did they say we all saved the brewers and we kept them here and they're good for the state and they're good for our economy? Um, I, I And I think that, to be honest, I, I think that that is the undercurrent that I'm hearing is that they want to quietly work out a deal. When I say they, I'm, I'm talking about not just the brewers, but the Democrats, Republicans, governors, legislature, um, all would like to just bring something to us that we can say, yeah, all sides have signed off on this. Yeah, sell the stadium, $1, guarantee that you stay here for the next 100 years, uh, good to go. I just just floated to, I, I had Governor Evers on last week, I should have asked him. Uh, Milwaukee County approved the sales tax increase, increase as part of their plan to avoid bankruptcy. That happened today, so uh, it'd be real great oh, well, if they, it'd be real great if they did another sales tax increase to pay for the Brewers Stadium renovations. I'm sure well, that'll go over My understanding is that part of that equation is they're going to be renaming it Solemn Stadium, so Solemn I, Stadium. I, I think there's some real possibility there. The do- Yeah, it flows off the tongue, too. Um, all right. Last thing, we have three and a half billion dollars in budget surplus. I think it's still three and a half billion, and we could put it in the bank and maybe it'd accrue more value. Um, what what can we do with this money? Uh, the Republicans want tax cuts for people that make a lot of money, and um, it's weird. Democrats want to help subsidize the childcare industry, and that's the fight. So, is that where we have to use this billion dollars in budget surplus? to give everybody what they want, come to the table and negotiate between childcare funding and taxes, tax cuts for the rich? I mean, that might be part of it. Um, you know, that, that I think you've kind of identified where, you know, both sides are coming from right now. Um, I, to me, childcare should not be a partisan issue because, I mean, if you look at, you know, the business world um, and employers basically these days can't find workers because those workers can't find childcare. Um, and if we solve the child care crisis, we'll solve partially anyway the you know the employment crisis. So I mean they they go hand in hand. I don't understand why solving child care is looked at as a democratic issue. I mean if it, it really should be a Republican issue, if anything. I mean we want we want to be able to have uh, you know our businesses, our our industry, our factories uh, have people there working. Um, and the best way to do that is to make sure that their kids have child care. So I, I, to me, I'm just baffled that it's really played out that way. Yeah. And what's funny, too, is child care industry can't find workers either. So <laughs> there's that, too, because they can't pay their workers right. enough because nobody wants to work for, you know, 12 bucks an hour at a child care center. Um, the other dilemma here that's kind of and, and I talk with Jane Claycamp, the county administrator, about this is. You know, senior care is going to be mixed into this sooner or later because I'm going to have to be, you know, your kids, Steve, are going to have to stay home to take care of you at some point. Probably sooner rather than later. <laughs> so there's going to be no, this. I mean, that, I mean demographically speaking, yes, that is, you know, we're seeing that rear its ugly head on the horizon and it's only going to get more serious. Yeah. And, and Jane, the county administrator, talked about uh, the Hillview uh, you guys are going to vote on this next month, but the Hillview uh, Healthcare Center campus, something like that, is going to be converted into this like combo. Part of it is going to be senior care and daycare, where uh, they, those kids and seniors can a- actually interact. I think a little bit, uh, but it's going to be kind of a, each wing will be uh, one wing will be senior care and one wing will be daycare. So, um, I mean, I, that really is a logical thing because we're dealing with two issues that are just not going to get better. So, I mean, we were, I think, at the forefront of, of the most realistically, economically feasible way of dealing with those two issues. Yeah, I feel like, and I don't know, I don't know how you would do this, but you could 
probably take this plan to Madison and go, hey, $3.5 billion in budget surplus, this actually solves two problems that we have in the state right now. And 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 it's and it's infrastructure, right? So it's building, it's it's permanent, it's one time funding, uh, help fund things like the Hillview Senior Center to make it more of a daycare slash senior center slash bridge housing center, and uh, you, you kind of you well you kill a bunch of birds with one stone there. Well, you know, I, I, as one of my last comments here, I, I would say we really have to give kudos to the county for thinking outside the box, and we're always the ones that do that. Uh, we had a human services director uh, a number of years ago talked about all the different pilot programs that the state has in the area of human services. And whenever they have this pilot program, they would come to La Crosse County and say, hey, would you guys like to be the ones to try this out to see it work if it works? And La Crosse County would always do that. And, and he used to say, we have more pilots than Northwest Airlines back when we had Northwest Airlines. All right. That's uh, State Rep. Steve Doyle of the 94th Assembly District. He's got one golden retriever left. I'm thinking about it, Steve. I'm thinking about it. Hey, you know where to reach me. <laughs> All right, They're thanks. so cute, too. They'd love you. <laughs> thanks a lot for joining. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rick. All right. we got. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Thanks again to Steve Doyle for, for hanging out. If you want to listen to this podcast or to this show, it's going to be on podcast here in a couple of minutes. I'll put it up. Uh, Wisdomnews.com slash podcast. Up, coming up tomorrow. UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski. Gee, I wonder what we'll talk about. Maybe, maybe yelling at teenagers in the U.S. Capitol for taking pictures of the ceiling. Maybe we'll talk about that.